But it is a wonderful privilege to be standing in this place this morning, and I really don't take it for granted at all. I want to say the Lord who has made it possible will surely reach out to do you good in the name of Jesus. And so you are very welcome, and if this is your first time of being here, you are very welcome, and you must have been passed some things to fill in. Please fill it in. Somebody will meet you at the end of the service for very few minutes just to let you know a little bit more about us. But you are very welcome in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have a series today. God help us with time. We have a, spirit, uh, a, ser- a series today we have started for some time. And um, it's been wonderful. We have them all on podcast. And if you are also listening to this by audio or watching the videos later on, I want you to know that the same grace will reach you where you are in Jesus' name. We started a series on the the purposeful kingdom lifestyle right from the first Sunday in September. And we're carrying that series through to the end of uh, October by the grace of God. Um, Last month, we were very, very emphatic on Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And we looked at all the things there that were mysteries. The mystery of foreknowledge, the mystery of predestination, the mystery of our joint inheritance, and uh, the, the, the mystery of godly conformity, and then the mystery of our joint inheritance last week. So we really want to thank God for that. And uh, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at some other aspects of the series today. And we are looking today at the kingdom lifestyle of compassion. Somebody say compassion. We have a banner here today that I just picked a picture of um, what I believe is as much as is possible depicting the the, the matters I want to share with you. You see the person at the end, at the edge of the cliff really will need help. Really would need help. The other people, the, the ones, the first two at the very top are fairly safe where they are. The others are also safe, but they have to go out of their way, risk their lives, and just do everything they can to reach out to this one who is probably at the tipping point and could fall off any moment from there. This is as much as possible how uh, I would want us to see the act of compassion today. In the, uh, in the sense of it, as heirs of God, which we looked at very much last week and also at Victory Prayer Night, people who have joint inheritance with God, who share the glory with Christ, we are like those ones who are positioned in the safe place. We have been rescued. You heard the testimonies from our brethren that were on the campuses. The the, the truth of the matter is that unless we who have seen the light and those of us that God has helped to come out of that darkness, go all out to inconvenience ourselves, at times take some of these kind of risks as it were, literally, we may not be able to rescue those that the enemy wants to keep tipping off the cliff in their droves. So we must understand that the only thing that keeps us in that place to keep reaching out and to keep being a blessing as those who have been blessed is to have a lifestyle of compassion. It's not a one-off event. We don't express compassion at will or when we choose. It must be like our breathing in and breathing out. It must be part and parcel of what we do regularly. Praise the Lord. God, who gave us the privilege to be joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ, made sure that not only do we enjoy the benefits, like we explained last week, we also go through some of his sufferings. Part of his sufferings is the sacrificial lifestyle 
of compassion. Compassion at times is released when you really are not finding it convenient to do because it's taking your time. It's taking some element of your emotions. And at times, compassion is even released to somebody who really doesn't deserve it. I just want to again have you to have a kind of a, a, a different thought about this picture. Let's assume for the sake of just making this particular emphasis that that young man that's about to fall over had been told by everybody else there that don't go to the edge, don't go to the edge, don't go to the edge. And suddenly they find him there and then the next thing they find is he's screaming for help. Now the natural tendency would be to say what? We told you so. But they did not do that. That's what compassion does. Compassion doesn't keep record of wrong or react because of disobedience or the action or inaction of the other person. Compassion simply acts as God would act. The love that is extended regardless of the person's behavior or lack of it. Praise the Lord. And so we must understand all this so that we understand how God expects us to be in the lifestyle of compassion. The Hebrew and Greek words that translate compassion simply mean to have mercy, to feel sympathy, or to have pity. Somebody say to have mercy, to feel sympathy, or to have pity. Whichever one it falls in, it is just all about expressing compassion. The Bible makes us to understand that God is a compassionate and gracious God in Psalm 86 verse 15. He's slow to anger, but he's abounding in love. So we find it from him. He is a compassionate God. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 23 tells us a little bit more about the God that we say is our father. Lamentations 3.22 says, Through the Lord's mercies, read it with me, it's on the screen. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. His compassions never fail. His compassions never stop. So his mercies are always in place. He always has mercy for us. That is why we are not consumed. Verse 3, verse 23 says what? Let's read verse 23 together. They are every great is your faithfulness. I'm sure you know that song. His mercies never fail. His steadfast love never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. That means if you exhausted it yesterday... You are waking up to meet a brand new lease of his mercy waiting for you. Hallelujah. That is how God works. His, his, his mercies are inexhaustible. No matter how many we are, no matter how, how deep we go into the error, his arms are always wide open waiting for us to come home. And so we must understand that we serve a God and we have a father who is a compassionate God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Biologically speaking, we all know that if a father gives birth to a child, or a parent, set of parents give birth to children, one of the things you first notice is that there are physical features that they pick from both parents. Praise the Lord. Or if you are like my daughter, you just pick 100% of what I look like. I know somebody doesn't like hearing that, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'll serve this punishment later on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so they pick from here and there. 
And people can say, oh, that is Pastor David's son. That's Pastor David's daughter. I can see the resemblance. That's part of it. The other thing you will notice as well is the mannerism. You pick things. I saw one of our two-year-olds here the other day walk through those doors. He was walking out of the hall. He was just two that time. And I could see his father in his footsteps. Exactly. I said, wow. This young boy, as young as he is, carries so much of the father that he's even walking like the father. It's a mystery. Praise the Lord. So God, who we serve, has in him the DNA of compassion, the traits, the characteristics, the life of compassion. And what he's saying to us is that if we carry that same life, we must also be a people who represent him and walk in compassion. Praise the Lord. But you know, like any other biological child, you could, a child could decide to disregard the traits of the father and pick up ungodly traits or unnatural traits and decide to manifest them. It's the same way. A Christian can decide to let go of the true spiritual traits that we have from God and just go our own way. But that will not be our portion. In the name of Jesus. So we must understand, as we will see in the course of this message today, that it is an intentional work that we must do on a consistent basis. The story of the prodigal son is a story we all know so well in Luke chapter 15. Uh, a man had two sons, a wealthy man, fairly wealthy man, had two sons. And uh, the two sons were living with him at home. Everything was okay. Until one day, the younger son said, give me my inheritance. I'm about to go. He said, give me everything. I'm about to go. And the father did not argue with him. And he let him go. And we know he went, wasted everything. One day, he came back to his senses when everything was spent. And the Bible says, having spent all, he didn't know what to do again. He was, he was not even offered a, 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 a decent job. He was, not even off, he was offered a servant's job and was not even allowed to eat food. They didn't even allow him, or the only thing they allowed him to, to eat was the food of the swine that he was taking care of. And so he said, hey, I can't continue like this. My father's servants live better than this. I will go back to my father and say, don't forget the fact that I used to be your son. Just hire me as a servant again. I know my life will be better than this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That is the result of disobedience and greed. But when he came back home, the Bible says his arms were, the father's arms were wide open. The father saw him from afar. The father's heart is so full of compassion. Every morning, those mercies are new. I believe that man went out every day looking from a distance. One day my son will come home. One day my son will come back home. Because the father knows that he's inexperienced. He knows that the money he has is not going to last a lifetime. <laughs> You know, if you give a, a young boy of 16, if you give me 1,000 1, pounds for the first time in his life, he will think he has 1 million pounds. <laughs> because he, he, he thinks that that is the end of the world. <laughs> but he, he doesn't understand that it is time. This is limited. So that man, when the boy was going, the man knew this guy is going to come back one day. And I know his story will be pitiful. Because whatever he's going with will not be enough to sustain him. So every day the father was watching and waiting. And one day, the boy came back home. Hallelujah. May the Lord help us to return every time we need to return. We may not go as deep as the prodigal son, but many times we stray. Many times we leave the father's love 
Many times we just go our own way, trying to do our own thing. And uh, the father is saying, son, daughter, come back. I am your helper. I'm the one who understands the beginning and the end. I'm the one who knows the end from the beginning. I can tell you, this is the way you ought to go. The way you are about to go is destruction. We say, no, we want to go there. That's what I want to do. That's the person I want to marry. That's the job I want to take. That's the thing I want to buy. That's the car I want to buy. That's the house I want to live. That's the neighborhood I want to be. And so on and so forth. And God says, no, that's not my plan for you. But out of his compassion, he always waits eagerly. Why am I laying this emphasis? Even though the the message today is about us living the lifestyle of compassion, we need to understand our father and the heart of our father and how we ought to pray the more to ask him to give us that same heart so that we can also live like he lives. Hallelujah. So in verse 28 of Luke 15, the Bible says the elder boy, the elder son, when the boy, when the younger one came back and the man kicked killed the fattened calf and they were enjoying the cow and everybody was eating and making merry. The elder son, I want us to read this together and I'll make an emphasis very quickly. Let's read together. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. This is the elder son now. Verse 30, let's read together loud and clear. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years Now listen to this very well. Read it with understanding. I know you've read it before, but I want you to read it clearly. Okay? Let's take it again. So he he answered and said to his father, Lo, this many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Verse 31. But as soon, verse 31, but as soon as your son came, sorry, that's verse 30, but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Verse 32, or the last verse. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Let's read that again. Son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Do we have verse 32? And he said to him, okay, verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and it was lost and is what? Found. Somebody say compassion. You have, say with me, you have everything. Say, I have everything with the Father. But I need to have compassion on every lost brother. Everyone who is lost, regardless of their kind of misway or mismovement or their kind of rebellion, like the prodigal son. Everyone requires our compassion. And there are people who did not necessarily put anything like that on themselves by reason of their actions. Like Job, who just was hit by the enemy, taken through a trial, and was facing the most difficult time of his life. Whatever it is, what God says to us is we have everything and all we need to do is to keep releasing the compassion of God. 
The elder brother said, you never killed a goat for me. The father said, all that I have is yours. So whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Somebody was ignorant. He said, I've been serving you all this while. I've been doing all these things all this while. But you've never done this for me. The ignorance of the elder brother made him a bitter person. Many Christians are bitter at God today simply because they are walking in ignorance. All he needed to do if he wanted a goat, since he so loved goats, because he could have a calf as well. He could have the fattened calf if he asked for it. But he was, his mindset was a goat mentality, so he, had, he said even the goat was not killed for me. If he wanted that goat, all he needed to do was to say, Dad, you know what? I want to, I want to make merry today. Can, we, can I have the goat? It would have been given because it's already his. It was already his. Why am I trying to make this emphasis today? I want us to understand that many people are not compassionate like the elder brother. We are not compassionate today because secretly we are annoyed with God. We are offended in God. We don't say it. Very rarely do you see a believer who is truly a child of God, come to you and say to you, you know what, I am really offended in God. Met very rarely. Backsliders, yes. People who have never been to the faith, yes. But many times people who sit in church who are professing the faith usually don't voice it out. But you see, our action of lack of compassion is very indicative of the fact that we have bitterness with God. When you are truly joyful in God and you are making merry like everybody else in the house was doing with the father and you are not like the elder brother, you are living in the joy. The other servants were rejoicing. Everybody else was rejoicing. Their mother, we never heard about her, but I'm sure she must have been rejoicing. Everybody else was rejoicing. But here we have a brother who has all things but did not want to have compassion. I pray God open our eyes to see this simple but deep mystery today. So that whatever shackle the enemy is putting in your hand that makes you lethargic, that makes you lose empathy, that makes it difficult for you to have sympathy for people when you ought to have, my God will break those chains today. In the name of Jesus. Jesus made so much examples for us to follow to understand that his compassion is real. Hallelujah. The story we read in Matthew chapter 18 during our Bible reading is another clear example. We read it, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it again. We read it from verse 23 right down to verse 35. That man was forgiven of a debt and he was let go. But when he saw somebody who was owing him, he put him in prison. And the person who originally forgave him now decided to make sure that he was punished for it. Why does that happen? A people who have been rescued, a people who have enjoyed the benefit of God and the favor of God must always be willing to forgive others also. Hallelujah. Jesus moved with compassion from heaven. He didn't need to come. He is the son of God. He had his rightful place. He was enjoying himself in heaven with the Godhead. But because of you and I, so that we do not perish, the Bible says he left his comfort came down and suffered the most shameful death that was available in his time. And he suffered it for you and I. And all he's asking you and I to do today is just to speak to others about that same love we have benefited from. That's all. 
He's not asking you to go to another cross and nail yourself to it. He's not asking you for that. He's only saying, just tell the world that I love them. You have understood. You have come. Now you have compassion on others. Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That's why when Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus, the first thing he said is, Father, forgive these ones, for they do not, do not hold this charge against them, because they do not know what they do. Jesus himself said the same thing on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Many of those people and many of the people that hurt you, that offend you, or those that are just living the life of recklessness and do not want to come to the faith, do not know what they are doing. Under the influence of demonic forces and many manipulations of the satanic world, you get brothers stirred up against brothers, brethren against brethren. At times, sad to say, churches rise up against churches, church leaders against church leaders. These are demonic activities that the devil is using to weaken the church and weaken the believers today. What we need to do to overcome this is to keep having a lifestyle of compassion. A lifestyle that Jesus had. The Bible says when he saw the suffering of people, he came and he was moved with compassion. He saw large crowds. He was moved with compassion. He saw a woman bent over for 18 years. He was moved with compassion. We read about her in Luke 13. He saw a man called, the man simply identified as the demoniac man of the gatherings in John chapter 5. And the man was always cutting himself. Jesus rebuked the devil because he was moved with compassion. Jesus never walked past anyone who needed his mercy. Either for a deliverance from the, the power of darkness in the area of sickness or in the area of sin. He saw the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman was a very healthy woman. A woman who can marry five husbands is very healthy. So she didn't have any sickness at all. But she was sick in the mind. <laughs> Emotionally unstable. She did not waste time. She just used to tell the men, get out of here, man. <laughs> get out. Get out. After a small quabble, she says, get out. So one day she was about to tell Jesus, get out. Jesus said, wait. I'm not one of those men. My paraphrase. <laughs> I'm not one of those men. I know that you have this problem. You've never been able to marry a person. Even the one you are with now is not officially your husband because you like living on the edge. These are all my words, but go and read it in, Roman, in John chapter 4. He said, you like living on the edge. Jesus stood there. People like her should not have been seen with Jesus Christ. In our day and age, we, our spirituality is such that we don't even want... People to see certain kind of people around us because it looks like it's not our class. Somebody say class. Lord have mercy. What class have you got? <laughs> You've got no class. You've got no class. We are all we are all human beings, children of God, created by the same God, regardless of who you are. Regardless of what car you drive, regardless of what you wear, regardless of the neighborhood you live, regardless of your postcode. Bottom line, the blood inside is red. Even if the skin color is different, the accent may be different, the white color of the bone is the same for everyone. Have you noticed that? Have they ever cut anyone open and you saw green bones they've got or blue bones? No. It's white. God put that inner part there to show the commonality of who we are. That we are not different at the end of the day. 
So when that man looks like somebody who is of a low life, degenerate, that girl looks like the street girl who nobody wants to identify with in daylight, Jesus was willing to go out to say, no, you are the kind of person I'm looking for. His disciples came. They said, you can't be here with this kind of person. He said, I came for such people. And he's saying that that is the DNA he has put in us. And so I want you, by the grace of God today, to keep challenging everything in you that is trying to make you less compassionate, less empathic and sympathetic with people. And the Lord will continue to keep you a compassionate vessel in his house. In the name of Jesus. You know the story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. You can read that from verse 28 to verse 33. What God said to him. And uh, told them about the Samaritan woman, the, the, the Samaritan man who helped a person. The Bible says in verse 33, Luke chapter 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan man, as he journeyed, came where the man that was hit by robbers was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. That's Luke chapter 10, verse 33. Before that time, everyone who saw that man, even a priest, saw him and walked past a Levite who was supposed to be a leader in the synagogue saw him and walked by. But a Samaritan, one that was least expected, saw him and somebody said he had compassion. God wants us to be a people who are manifesting his compassion everywhere we are and at every time. So as kingdom citizens, therefore, we need to live a lifestyle of compassion because it helps us to prove two things. One, it helps us to prove that we love God. 1 John chapter 3 from verse 17. Let's read it very, very clearly. 1 John 3, 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in... That is the proof of love. Not in word. It's so easy to say, I love you. Anybody can say that. Say, I love you. Say it. Just say, I love you. Did it cost you anything? To, you didn't say it. Say, I love you. <laughs> Did it cost you anything to say? It cost nothing to say, I love you. But if you are to release 100 pounds <laughs> to back up that love, that's when the thing starts to get very difficult. <laughs> It starts to get very challenging. If you have to sp spend your time of rest and your time of, of just having some wonderful vacation or some kind of break to go do something out of love for somebody else, that's the one that he said, don't just stop in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. Acts of compassion, when we do them, they are acts of deed. They are physical acts. There are acts that are measurable. There are acts that we can actually account for. They are not just things we say. The things we say are good, but they must be backed up many times by actions that are necessary. Jesus saw Lazarus. Lazarus was one of the worst tax collectors in his time. He was so bad that he had enough money stored up that when he got converted, he still had so much money to bring out to share to people that he has defrauded. He was a bad man. <laughs> Jesus called him down from that sycamore tree. I said, come down. I'm going to feast at your house. 
Because salvation has come to your house this day. Hallelujah. We must understand that there is a deed that must always follow our act of compassion. Jesus never held back. We must never hold back. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother. But he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Somebody say with me, my lifestyle of compassion will keep proving my love for God. The second thing that our lifestyle of compassion should do is that it also proves that we love people. I know they are kind of linked together. But there is a commandment in Matthew chapter 22. The Bible says that there are two commandments that are important. One, we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And then the second is unto this. You shall love what? Your neighbor as yourself. So the two things we need to do. So when we live in compassion consistently, we prove the first and the second commandment that are as powerful. So the second thing is that it proves that we also love people. How does that happen? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. The Bible says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Tell your neighbor for me, be kind to me. I will be kind to you. This is very important. You see, you don't know the day you need the kindness. So it's better you keep sowing it. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Many times you need kindness in places you could not have reached. They are talking about you, deciding matters about your life. Three people drinking coffee, black coffee, their head is blowing hot. And they are determining your, your, your destiny. <laughs> You need kindness to speak for you in that meeting because you can't have access to it. (laughs) So what speaks for you at those times is the seed of kindness you have sown. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7. He said, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. So when you keep loving people and sowing the seed of kindness, what you are doing is that you harvest kindness also in places that you never could have reached by the way. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor for me again, please be kind to me. I promise to be kind to you. Say, forgive me always. I will forgive you too. Because Christ forgave us all. First Peter chapter 3, as I bring this to a close, verse 8. He said, finally, all of you be of one mind. Having compassion one for one another. Love as what? Brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Don't be hard-hearted. Tender heart simply means that you are willing to forgive. Tender heart simply means that you are willing to overlook an offense. Now, I always say this as a caveat every time. This does not give anybody the license to behave the way they like and now ask that, after all, people have to forgive them. This is a twisted way of looking at the whole thing. It means I take responsibility. The Bible says offenses will come in this world, but woe to them through whom that they come. So I don't want to be condemned for being a source of offense. So I must make sure that I am not the source of offense. 
but the Bible says they would come. So what I need to keep doing is to make sure that I am always releasing, being tender-hearted, being a, having a heart that is like the heart of God. Praise the Lord. You need to see God's compassion on men who disobeyed him. Men like Jonah, men like Samson, men who did things that he shouldn't, they shouldn't have done. Men like David. You need to see his heart towards them, coming to still say to them, I have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I have mercy on you. I want you to know that that is how he said we also have to be tender-hearted. Couples, be tender-hearted towards one another. Don't keep record of wrongs. It is the plan of the devil to make you have your black books on the 5th of January 2005. You called me a he-goat. From today, you two are, you are a she-goat. <laughs> and I have always said, if you call your wife goat, that means you are Mr. Goat. Because you are married. <laughs> So call your wife gorgeous so that you too will be Mr. Gorgeous. Do the things that make it work. Be courteous. Think of the other person first. Let's read verse 9. Verse 9, very important. He said, not returning. Read verse 9 loud, please. This is very important. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the, on the what? Do what? Knowing that you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing. Remember, those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. And we say the glory is about a blessing. So what you are called to do is to be a person who is always forgiven. Romans 12, 21. He said, do not be overcome by evil, but always overcome evil with good. Have you been in a road rage? Have you been in a traffic where there's road rage all over the place and people are just cursing and swearing around you? It's very tempting to get involved as well because it gets to you. But you have to remember you are a Christian not because you are in this building today and we're all wearing suits and sitting like that. You are a Christian much more in that scenario than everywhere else. I always say to my wife, I don't know who the next church member is. So if I quickly have a go at somebody in town and say, you, you, you drove like <laughs> I don't know whether they are the next person that will come into church the next Sunday. So it has to be that you make it a lifestyle. Hallelujah. And receive the grace today to be tender-hearted. Receive the grace today not to be returning evil for evil. In the name of Jesus. People will wrong you. I assure you, people will wrong you. People will offend you. People will cause you to really, really want to have a go. But you must realize that the way it goes is to keep having compassion. Many of us have children that at times, you know young people, young people are full of energy, they are full of ideas. At times they will do things that we know obviously was something we had told them not to do and blah, blah, blah. We must always remember that whilst we rebuke and we make sure that we correct, we must never ever do without compassion. Because it is the compassion of God that we release that will keep transforming lives. From today, compassion will be your lifestyle. In the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet. We're going to take some prayer points here. Well, well.